Welcome to week two you know, of Real Life at the Movies. In case you weren't here you know, last week, what we're doing is looking at God's Word and using movies, which are modern-day parables. You see, Jesus taught in parables you know, to illustrate biblical truth. And, and so let's start out with this today. Let's just jump right in. Our lives are incredibly impacted by the sacrificial love of other people. Uh, sometimes it's in little ways, sometimes it's in large ways. I, I don't know if you've ever been, you know, in a, a line at a fast food place or coffee place and you get to the front and then all of a sudden you hear that person in front of you just paid for you. And you're just like, wow, that was just nice. You know, or somebody mowed your lawn, you know, you're just like, wow, that was really, really nice. And, or these little uh, other things, you, you, you might know a friend or someone that you love and they've had a child or they're sick and you're like, you know what, let me provide a meal for them. Let's mow their lawn for them. Let's just come alongside them in very practical, you know, and somewhat sacrificial ways. Uh, maybe, you know, you found yourself even providing a meal for a homeless person and you're like, you know what, that was just something good to be able to do. You see, any great relationship of any kind is going to involve some level of sacrifice. Uh, in fact, uh, those of you parents understand what sacrificial love really is. As soon as that child comes into the world, you are, whether you want to or not, you're going to sacrifice. You're going to sacrifice sleep. You're going to sacrifice finances. You're going to sacrifice time and energy. You're going to have all these ups and downs, you know, through the course of not only the days, the months, but the years, you know, and years and years, you know, ahead. Sacrificial love. Uh, we see this, you know, uh, in, in our military. Uh, those of you who served in the armed forces or you've had loved ones who literally gave their lives out of their sacrificial love for this country and the people in which they love. And so here's what I want you to do, just for really quickly. When you think of someone who has sacrificially loved you, who comes to mind? Turn and tell your neighbor, just really quickly, who's the first person to come to mind, because I need you to hold that person to the course of our sermon together. Just do it now. Just, just whisper it to them. Tell them who's the first person that comes to mind. Now, because you're in church, obviously you know where I'm going with this. Jesus is our model for what sacrificial love looks like. Now, he raises the bar just a little bit on the ways you and I would normally sacrifice for others. In Romans chapter 5, verse 6, it says this, You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love, this kind of sacrificial love, for us in this. While we were still sinners... Christ died for us. I want you to process that because we celebrate communion every single week and we're reminded of that. Christ's sacrificial love for you and I took place before we received that sacrificial love. He was willing to sacrifice and give of himself whether you and I received that gift or not. He was willing to sacrifice himself while you and I were still not connected to God. The Bible says ungodly, the Bible says sinner, or even the Bible says an enemy in different parts of scriptures, that that's the sacrifice of love, sacrificial love that he models. See, we're willing to sacrifice for other people that we love. We're willing to sacrifice for the good deeds, you know, for, on, on behalf of other people for how it makes us feel. But are we willing to sacrifice for those who are far from us in terms of relationship. Maybe those who look down on us or despise us in one way, shape, or form. 
I want you to think about that because that's a whole other level of sacrificial love. And when it comes to movies, do you notice that we have a tendency to either desire to be or we see ourselves through the eyes of the hero, right? Whether it's a Spider-Man or Superman or Wonder Woman, you know, we're looking at this going, well, not me for Wonder Woman, that's, that's you. Uh, but we're looking at all these, these heroes and we're like, you know what, uh, I, I want to be that person or, or, or I want to aspire to be, you know, kind of that person, the hero. Who doesn't want to be the hero? And yet and the reality is we probably more represent the villains than we actually do the heroes when it comes to our real lives. See, we sometimes run after things that we shouldn't. We turn our backs on things that we probably should, should not. Uh, and the world often pushes us down some pretty bad paths. You think about your upbringing that can fracture you in life, torn relationships that can tear us apart. Life sometimes is very unfair. And when we dwell on that, seek vengeance on those who've done us wrong or rage against the circumstances beyond our control, guess what happens? We change. And oftentimes not for the better. Now, we might not obviously dramatically or, or over-dramatically change as much as the villains do in some of these superhero movies that we see, but yet we find that this still eats away at our souls, and it moves us further from the people that God sacrificially loved and created us to be. But there is hope. See, in the story of God, uh, we're not the hero. <laughs> Jesus is the hero, and because Jesus is the hero, even though we're far from God, even though we make mistakes, he's willing to go again and again and again, to go after us out of his sacrificial love for us, no matter how many times we wander or fall away from him. And he gives us this opportunity in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from wickedness. It doesn't say a one-time instance. He says you can do this as many times as you need. That's how far my grace and my love go to you. The reason I mention all that and all that as the backdrop is this week's movie illustration of that biblical truth is found so strongly in the concept of second chances that runs deep throughout Spider-Man No Way Home. We know that the villains, you know, arrayed against Spider-Man have done some terrible things, awful things, if you know their backstory and what they've done, and they continue to do them. We know what they deserve. We know the punishment that actually they deserve for the acts in which they have done. We know how much cleaner and expedient it would be to just press the button and send them home to the fate in which awaits to them, even the fate of death. They're finally going to get what they deserve. But Spider-Man, Peter Parker, is confronted with another option that is presented to him by his aunt, May. Go ahead and check this scene out now. Hey, May. Hey, Peter. I'm at work, and um, one of the guys you're looking for just walked in. May! Where's May? Thank you! Ah, oh, hey, here he is. Norman. This is... My nephew. Norman Osborne? I thought that you were... I saw Spider-Man in an ad for this place. And I thought he could help me. But you're not him. Wait, so you want Spider-Man's help? He, he just wandered in. I didn't know where else to go. Someone's living in my house. Oscorp doesn't exist. 
my son. Sometimes I'm not myself. I'm someone else. And every time he's in control, I can't remember. And now I'm who's here in, in this place, in, Norman, in this in city, and I don't know. I don't know what's going okay. on with okay, me. Okay. I, I, I don't. Okay. Doesn't make sense. He's lost. And I don't mean just in the cosmos. I mean in his mind. Are they all like this? Yeah. Well, I mean, they all have their own mental and physical issues. Well, he needs help, and maybe they all do. Wait, you don't mean... No, me. This isn't my problem. Peter, not your problem? Hmm? Me. Their chance of getting help is way better back where they came from. Sending them home? That's the best thing that we can do for them. For them? Or for yourself? Look around you. This is what we do. We help people. This is what's best for them. Trust me. Look around, Peter. This is what we do. And here is the Green Goblin coming in and saying, I'm looking for help. And I thought Spider-Man might be able to help me. Now, the reason I mention that is because as followers of Jesus Christ, we get the opportunity to practice sacrificial love. We're called to do for others what Jesus has done for us. See, when you receive that sacrificial love that I talked about, it is an incredible receptivity of what we don't deserve. And when we receive that, crisis calls us to then live that and give opportunities to live that out in our real lives outside these walls. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1, it says, Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us sacrificially as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. It's not just what Christ has done for us, but what are we then, after we've received this gift, being willing to do for other people as we follow Christ's example? So Spider-Man starts wrestling with what to do. So do I listen to Aunt May and try to help these people, or do I listen to Dr. Strange and send them back to get what they rightfully deserve? Let's see what Peter decides to do. Oh, great. You caught another no, one. No, no, no. Wait, Strange. He's not good. Oh. It's okay. Um, what is that? It's an ancient relic, the Machina de Cadavis. I've trapped your corrupted spell inside, and once I finish the proper ritual, it'll reverse the spell and send these guys back to their universes. And then what? We perish? No, no thanks. I'll pass on that. Let me out of here. Peter! Strange. We can't send them back. Not yet. Why? Oh, some of these guys are gonna die. Parker. It's their fate. Come on, Strange, have a heart. In the grand calculus of the multiverse, their sacrifice means infinitely more than their lives. I'm sorry, kid. If they die, they die.
Don't. Dimension, where I'm in control. Strange, stop! Can we please just talk about this? Parker, don't you realize that in the multiverse there are an infinite number of people who know Peter Parker is Spider-Man? And if that spell gets loose, they're all coming here! Look, I know, I get it, but we can't just send them home to die! It's their fate. You can't change that any more than you could change who they are. But what if we could? What if we could change their fate? Dude, what happened? I just had a fight with Doctor Strange and I totally won. What? Look, and I stole his ring thing. Uh, I was swinging through the city and then I went through this massive mirror thing and then I was back in Where the city. Where is he? Where is he? Uh, he's trapped, but I'm not sure for how long. You could have just left us to die. Why didn't you? Because that's not who he is. I think I can help you guys. If I can fix what happened to you, then when you go back, things will be different, and you might not die fighting Spider-Man. What do you mean, fix us? Look, our technology is advanced. I can help I you. You know, I'm something of a scientist myself. Octavius knows what I can do. Fix? You mean like a dog? I refuse. I can't promise you guys anything, but at least this way you actually get to go home and have a chance, a second chance. I mean, come on, isn't that worth trying? Trust me, Peter. When you try to fix people, there are always consequences. What if we could change their fate? And I love that he said, you could have killed us. You could have just sent us back. You could have basically given us what we deserved. Why didn't you? And I love that MJ says, because that's not who he is. And isn't that supposed to be a representation of who we are? See, the call of Jesus to sacrifice ourselves for others means that we're to sacrificially fight for those who can't, who won't, or even refuse to fight for themselves. That's a whole different level of sacrifice. See, in John 13, 34, it says, so now I'm giving you a new commandment, love each other just as I have loved you. There's the sacrificial part of what Jesus did for his disciples, we're supposed to do for the world. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. This is what separates Christianity from everything else. It's not just coming to church. It's living sacrificial lives in the name of Jesus in order to help people who don't even want your help. That's what makes this hard. See, how have we been loved by Jesus? Sacrificially, far from him. And we're supposed to do that out of love for other people. And now when we do, when we're willing to sacrifice, when we're willing to change our time or talents or treasures in order to love the world and those in our sphere of influence, sometimes there is a great response. And you see people's lives that are touched or they're challenged or they're changed. People can actually change their fate in Christ Jesus through the sacrificial love and works that God wants to do through you by the power of the Spirit in the lives of other people. Peter Parker also saw some success as he tried to help 
the people who asked him and didn't want to be fixed, they were finally willing to allow him to do what they know he needed to do. Check this scene out. Doc? Doc? Doc, talk, take me. It's so quiet. Those voices inside my head. I'd almost forgotten. Otto. Yes, Norman. It's me. Would you look at that? I'm grateful, dear boy, truly. Yeah, you're welcome. How can I help? It's amazing to see not only him, but the people around who are just celebrating, you know, the fact that he finally realized, wow, there's an opportunity based on Peter's willingness to sacrifice for lives to be touched, challenged, and changed. You and I get a front row seat to this as well. When we get a chance to sacrificially love other people from time to time, they actually receive that love, not because of who you and I are, but because of who Christ is in us. And then we see them come to Christ because you can see your own journey in Christ, those of you who accepted him, and then you get baptized, and then all of us get to celebrate some life transformation that takes place. And it's a time of rejoicing because someone took the time. Someone was willing to reach out to you, and you realized I need to do that to somebody else. But you also realize that there are many other times that you're willing to sacrificially love others that they don't receive it. And they actually reject it. And many times they reject you. Check out this scene now. That's some neat trick. That sense of yours. Norman? Norman's on sabbatical, huh? The hell? Goblin. No more darker half. Did you really think that I'd let that happen? That I'd let you take away my power just because you're blind to what true power can bring you? You don't know me. Don't I? I saw how she trapped you, fighting her holy moral mission. We don't need you to save us. We don't need to be fixed. We don't need you to save us. We don't need to be fixed. And there's an opportunity when you reach out to people where they have a tendency to respond very negatively, and you're seeing that more and more and more as a society falls further and further away from Christ. And one of the temptations is as a follower of Christ, we actually push against that instead of love and find ways to continue to sacrificially love. We kind of fight against that and we point fingers instead of actually doing what Christ has called us to do. And this is where it gets really hard because the hardest people to sacrifice for are those who irritate us, who disagree with us, or even hate us because of what or who we stand for. 
And yet this is who and what Jesus models, which is what he gave to us. See, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 30, 38 to 47, Jesus goes on this, this, this conversation where he says, You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If someone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. And if anyone wants to sue you or take your shirt, hand them your coat as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Give to the one who asks you and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. That's a whole level of sacrifice, isn't it? It's, it's, it's not bad to sacrifice if you get a thanks or, you know, hey, appreciate it, thanks, but no thanks. But what about when people are volatile to you? Jesus says, I want you to go the extra mile. Now, you understand in context, uh, the Romans' culture, there was a law that was in place that if a Roman citizen asked you who was a slave of that area, which would have been the Jewish people, that you would have to carry their bags or their goods or whatever it may be, may be for a mile. So you had to stop what you were doing. You had to be inconvenienced with where you were going, and you had by law to, to help carry, and you got used to counting steps. How long, how many steps in a mile? You started counting, counting. As you got closer, you were already ripping off, and you were angry the whole way, and you just couldn't wait to throw this thing down. And Jesus says, I want you to go another mile. And you're like, Jesus, this is the Romans, the Romans are the occupiers. They're the enemy. They're the ones that we're trying to get rid of, remember? And you're asking me to sacrificially love by going an extra mile? Yes, because that's what distinguishes his people versus other people. Then he goes further, and this is the same conversation. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you that you may be children of your Father in heaven. That is a hard verse right there. He causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good and says, rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even tax collectors, you know, sinners, you know, doing that? And if you greet only, the, only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that? See, what Jesus is distinguishing is if you're going to be my follower, the way the world's going to know is the sacrificial love that I've done to you. I'm asking you to do to other people. And the hardest people to do that are those who actually you perceive as your enemy. And I was willing to die for them. You? I don't like the scripture either. <laughs> In fact, this is why Jesus goes into a story when a guy comes to him, you know, a religious leader comes to him and says, hey, Jesus, uh, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus turns the question back on him and says, well, how do you read it? What does the Bible say? What does the scriptures, the Old Testament scriptures say? And he says, well, it's to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and to love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus says, great, good job. You do that and you're going to be fine. But to justify himself, he says, tell me, Jesus, a little bit further, who is my neighbor? So Jesus decides to tell this parable, this story, a Jewish man was going from Jerusalem to Jericho, and on his way, he got attacked, and he was beaten, stripped, and left for, he left for dead. And along came the way, a priest who saw him decided to pass by him for many reasons we don't have time to go into. Then a Levite, also who works at the temple, saw him, crosses the other side, and passes him. And then the Bible says this, then a despised Samaritan came along. See, Jesus is telling the story because he knows who he's talking to. See, the Jews and the Samaritans, they hated each other. They're not sure who they hated worse, the Romans or the Samaritans. And here is a Samaritan, a despised Samaritan, who sees a Jewish man 
in that person's mind potentially getting what that person deserves. And this is what happens, but he felt compassion for him. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey, took him to an inn where he took care of him. The next day, he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. This should blow our minds. See, that, that Samaritan had to go out of his way. He had to stop whatever he was doing, inconvenienced by his schedule, and to help a despised person. So Jews, and here's the Samaritan situation, and he decides, I'm going to bandage the wounds. You're going to go on my donkey. I'm going to take care of you, and then I'm going to pay the innkeeper because I need to leave, but I'm going to come back, and if it costs me more, then I'll pay as well. The startles, those who are listening to what Jesus had to say, it says, when I, which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by bandits? Jesus asked. The man replied, the one who showed him mercy. Jesus said, now go and do the same. And we see this from God's people all the time, this tension where he's called his people to represent him. But this is where it's really hard for most of us. See, in the Old Testament, uh, there's a story about a whale, right? Jonah, Jonah and the whale. He gets called by God. He says, I need you to go preach about me to Nineveh. What does Jonah decide to do? Head opposite of Nineveh. Peculiar. And you've read the story. Why? Why would he go opposite? God himself has told him to go preach this news of repentance so these people would turn their hearts to God. And Jonah says, "Uh uh-uh. And you know the story. He heads this direction instead of that direction, gets on a ship. There's a big storm, falls in, whale gets him. You know, he's under the sea for three days, comes back, because, you know, probably took the whale three days to be able to get to the land where he's supposed to go, spits him out on the shore, and then Jonah is forced to preach this news to the people. Repent, and you're gonna, or else you're going to die. Repent, or the fires from God are going to come down. And you know he didn't do it with great excitement, with great esteem. Now, why? Because the Assyrians were brutal, and Nineveh was the capital of Assyria. The Assyrians would come in and murder and rape and pillage the people of Israel. And God says, Jonah, I want you to go preach to them and answer the call. I need you to answer the call. So I'm gonna call you to preach to them and go answer the call that I'm giving you to those awful people in Nineveh. And good, we answered the call. Isn't that great? We're answering the call in the name of Jesus. (laughs) I love it. And he's like, huh, uh anybody else, Lord, I would do that. Not these people. These people are the enemy. These people have hurt and they've done it, and God says, I want you to go. And then he, you know, you know he didn't do it with such excitement. Hey, repent, you're going to die. Repent, you're going to die. And then he ends up on a hill, hoping it's still going to happen, and he realizes God's judgment is not going to come because guess what? The people repented, and they turned to God, and they wept, and they began to, you know, to, to turn their hearts towards him. And who was most disappointed? Jonah. That actually happened. Let, let me give you a modern-day example. It would be like right after 9-11, You were asked to get on a plane, go to the Middle East, and share the good news of Jesus Christ. Got a little quiet in here, didn't it? That gives us a little idea of what Jonah might have felt, especially if you were someone 
who is in New York who knew people personally. Takes it to a whole different level, doesn't it? But that's the sacrificial love that he's asking for us to do. So how much are we willing to sacrifice for the sake of others? How much are we willing to sacrifice for Aunt May and for Spider-Man to try to love an enemy? It costs them everything, especially for Aunt May. Go ahead and check this out. I think I broke my ribs. This is all my fault, me. I should no. have just listened to Strange and let him send me. You did back. the right thing. They would have been killed. You did the right thing. It's not my responsibility, me. Oh. What Norman said? My moral mission. No. No, no, me, no, Peter, you, you listen. You listen to me. You have a gift. You have power. And with great power. There must also come great responsibility. Hmm? No. Let's get the, out of here. Okay, let's go. I just catch you. With great power comes great responsibility. Whether you've seen this Spider-Man or the cartoon Spider-Man, or read the comic books of Spider-Man, whether it's from uncle or aunt, this is one of those core lines that is given to Peter, not, for many of us, not realizing that actually came from Jesus himself. Jesus said it this way in Luke chapter 12, verse 48, when someone has been given much, much will be required in return. And when someone has been entrusted with much, even more will be required. You and I have great power. There must also come with that great power that we have received from Christ a great responsibility. It takes great sacrifice to help other people. It literally would cost May her life, and she still tells Peter it was the right decision. It cost Christ his life. And yet it was the right decision, and he's asking us to give up our lives for the sake of others because it's the right decision. Know this. There will always be critics. There will always be those who don't understand what God has called you to do. There will always be obstacles. Don't let those things snuff out what God has asked us to sacrificially do for the sake of the world. We have been entrusted with the power of the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit comes upon us, there is great responsibility that is entrusted to us to live that power outside these walls in the areas in which we live, whether it's our homes, our neighborhoods, our work, or even across the ends of the, ends of the earth if God should lead us there. Our job is not to be evaluated on the result. So oftentimes we're like, well, that didn't work, or we got pushed back, and that's not our job. Our job is to honor Jesus and to let the results be left up to Jesus. Our job is to sacrificially love and demonstrate his love to other people. And first, in, in Acts 1 it says, but you will see power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses. This is what the power is enabling us to do, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. You see, in Spider-Man, we see a willingness on his part to lose everything in order to save everyone. It comes with great sacrifice. It's interesting. You know what helps us stay on the sacrificial love idea and actually live that out is when we don't do it by ourselves. 
when we actually are partnering with other people, it can bring a sense of strength and encouragement as we go. Check out this final scene with me. What's happening? The starting come through and I can't stop it. There's gotta be something we could do. Can't you just cast the spell again? But the original way before I screwed it We're up. We're too late for that. They're here. They're here because of you. What if everyone forgot who I was? What? They're coming here because of me, right? Because I'm Peter Parker? So cast a new spell. But this time, make everyone forget who Peter Parker is. Make everyone forget. Me. No. But it would work, right? Yeah, it would work. But you gotta understand, that would mean that everyone who knows and loves you, we... We'd have no memory of you. It would be as though you never existed. I know. Do it. Yeah, better go and say your goodbyes. You don't have long. Thank you, sir. Call me Stephen. Thank you, Stephen. Yeah, still feels weird. I'll see you around. It's a lot, kid. I, I think this is it. I think you're about to go home. Okay. Right. Um, look, I... Uh... Thank you. I, I just want to... I, I want you to... I want to tell you that... I, I really don't know how to say this. I... Peter. I want you to know that I... You know. It's what we do. Yeah, it's what we do. Um... Right, I, I gotta find Ned and MJ. I, uh... Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. I guess, I guess I'll see you. See you. I... Uh, You're in so much pain, huh? I am. Yeah. It hurts to love people. Because you know you're going to get hurt in the end at some point, in some way. And to continue to get off the mat... And to still do what Christ called us to do is not an easy thing. It's fascinating to watch a movie and recognize that Spider-Man, sometimes better, is understanding of sacrificial love than us. And yet, isn't that the challenge? I love that he says, loving sacrificially is just what we do. You know, this is just what we do. In fact, in Galatians chapter 6, verse 9, it says, so let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we'll reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, and especially those in the family of faith. This is what we should be known for, willing to sacrifice in the name of Jesus, because that is what we do. And it's interesting because you know at the end of this film, nobody's going to remember Peter Parker, but everybody's still going to know Spider-Man. The same is true for us. People may never remember our names 5, 10, 15, 100 years from now, but will they remember the name of Jesus? That's what it's all about. 
It's not about us getting credit or glory. My hope is that my name is never remembered, but the name of Jesus is elevated to new heights because we partner together to receive first the sacrificial love of Christ, and then we gave that sacrificial love that this community said, you know what, those people are Jesus followers. That's my prayer, and that's my hope for you and for me, and it is not easy. I can talk about it, but it's not easy. So for you, next step, have you received the sacrifice of Christ? We never want to just kind of gloss over that. We want to make sure you give an opportunity to say, Jesus did this while you're far from him. And maybe you're here today and realize, I thought I was coming here to watch a movie, and I realized, wait a minute, there's a greater purpose for me being here. Or maybe you have received Christ, then my question is, who has God called for you to sacrifice for this week? I want you to think of a person right now. Spirit may be laying on you. Now, it could be somebody laying in your heart and mind right now. It could be somebody in your home that you've had some of this with. It could be an extended family member. You know, those in-laws or outlaws, whatever we like to call them. You know, it could be somebody like that. You know, say, you know what? They don't deserve my love, but it's not about deserve. It's about doing what is right in the name of Jesus. Maybe it's somebody in the neighborhood, maybe it's a friend, it's a coworker. maybe it's somebody who literally is an enemy, someone on the opposite side of the political aisle, someone who have a different understanding of how the world works, someone of a different faith or religion. What an opportunity that you and I have to model what Jesus did for us. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for today and the opportunity, Lord, just to be challenged greatly with what it means to love. And God, I pray you'd help me, you know, to know how best to do this in my own life and even in my own home. And I pray the same for everyone in this room. And if you're here today, you've never received this sacrificial love, that you pray this prayer, Jesus, I receive you. Thank you for dying for me, even when I was far from you. Father, for the rest of us, may we, we never forget that truth and that fact. And may your spirit compel us, strengthen us, empower us to live beyond what we normally would want to in order to sacrificially love others. And I pray for all the people who've thought of individuals in their hearts and mind. Father, as they're thinking of them now, I pray that you would just be with them this week, starting now, to find ways that we can demonstrate who you are, regardless of the response. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.